With the motive that is to be behind our giving to the Lord, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You don't give because you have an empty envelope. You give because God has been so good to you. He's just been so gracious to us. And he has a hold of every part of our lives. It's between you and the Lord, and you don't have to because the church tells you to. You need to because you have a relationship with the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hey, thanks for joining us as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is knee-deep in his study of 2 Corinthians, and here in chapters 8 and 9, we're taking a little extra time to unpack what the Bible has to say about giving, and there's quite a bit. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed points to Jesus as our example in giving. He really is the best example we can look to. So let's do that now, shall we? We are studying through the book of 2 Corinthians, learning about, well, learning all sorts of things through the life of Paul as he bears his soul to us. He's writing this letter to the church in Corinth as a pastor, and we're getting a true insight to a pastor's heart. And so far, up until this chapter 8, we've covered quite a few topics. We've learned how to resolve conflict We've learned how to humble ourselves. We've learned how to emphasize relationship over opinions. And in these two chapters, we're learning what giving looks like. What a full perspective of giving from a New Testament perspective looks like. We're learning how important it is for us to be givers. It's not a doctrine to follow as much as it is a perspective, a a depth of our lives. It's not a measurement of how much, it's a measurement of how close we are to the heart of God who gave his only begotten son. He, he sacrificed his own son for men and women, boys and girls, who didn't desire him. The Bible says that we, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus died for us. That because of God's great love for us, no matter what condition we may have been, I mean, we could be at the best condition or the worst condition, but we were truly all in the same condition, resisting and rejecting Messiah. No matter where we were, God's love moved him to give and to sacrifice. So it's not a matter of how much, it's a matter of how close we are to the heart of God. And it is a hard issue, giving. It can't be measured in dollars and cents. We learned that last time because it was Jesus that was looking at those that were coming to the temple to give, and he saw the widow given a couple mites and the, those that were rich give much. And we learned it's not the amount. You can't measure and go, well, look, you know, that's only a couple pennies and that guy's given thousands of dollars. No, you missed the point. Because Jesus was watching not only what they give, but how they gave. So giving like any spiritual part of our life is a hard issue. And Paul's bringing it up to the church in Corinth. And one of the things we learned today, one of the things we're going to learn, is that Jesus 
is the true example in giving, not each other. And Paul's going to draw that out for the church in Corinth in chapter 8. So if you're just joining us and you haven't been for the previous studies, we've already learned that giving is liberal. We should be giving liberally according to our ability and in some cases beyond our ability. Giving freely. And it's a sweet thing not to be in bondage to holding back on God or thinking that we own anything. And there's a great freedom in what Paul calls giving. He calls it a grace, the grace of giving. We don't want to be in bondage to holding back what truly belongs to the Lord, everything that he's given to us. So now pick up with me in verse 7 where we left off. He says in verse 7 of chapter 8, But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know, verse 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give my advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now that you must also complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there may also be a completion out of what you have. So notice right away that the teaching on giving that Paul is sharing is not heavy-handed. It's not a pastor using some kind of human psychological techniques to draw out of the church their money as is used by many today. He says right now, he says right away, he says right at the beginning as he begins to remind them of their commitment, this isn't a command. I'm not speaking with apostolic authority here trying to play some heavy trip on you to give. I'm not speaking by commandment, but there's a test being placed upon the sincerity of your love. Now, how would he know that there was any sincerity of love? How could he draw, how could he draw their attention to that? How can he remind them? Well, it says in verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord. You know what he did for you. You know how rich he was. Yet because of you, he became poor that you, through his poverty, you might become rich. And in this, I give my advice. So I'm not commanding you. I'm advising you. And what is he advising? He says, it's to your advantage to follow through with your commitments. It's to your advantage. I, I think we could take this statement and go all the way back to when you were born again. Or for those of you that were raised in a godly home, the day, the moment, the hour that you recognize it wasn't just your parents' faith, it wasn't just the faith of your home, but that you too now in your 12-year-old or 15-year-old or whatever age you were where you recognized, I appreciate my parents' upbringing, I appreciate all that they've done, I appreciate all this, but I want to follow Jesus. It's not just my parents anymore, but now I want to give myself whatever, wherever it was. Some of you got, you know, saved later in life and you, weren't, you didn't have the kind of godly upbringing that others have. Whatever it might, I think this commitment can go all the way back. This advice can go all the way back to the moment you said, Jesus, I give you everything. No doubt that's what you said or thought or came to understand when you admitted that you sinned, that you have lived a life against the things of God 
and you wanted to take a turn, that you wanted to repent of your sins. You wanted to acknowledge that the course that you were taking has been wrong, and now I turn my back on my past. Sometimes I'll even verbalize that when I lead you in prayer. Like today, if you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, in a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. There's really no reason to gather together if you don't have an invitation to receive Jesus. You know, people can go in and out of churches their whole life and never be invited to receive Jesus. Not here. Here, I hope every time you come, you're invited to receive Jesus. I hope it becomes a repetitive thing in your life where you know that God loved you so much. This is like Paul says right here. He says it a different way. He's using the illustration in terms in relationship to giving, but notice what he says in verse 9. This is to everyone listening right now. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. He is God. And before he came in the womb of Mary, he was enjoying the glory of heaven, the fellowship of the Godhead. But the Bible tells us that he left the glory of heaven and he came to the earth. God came in human flesh. The Bible says that he came in the form of a man, in the form of a servant. I mean, you can't be more rich than God. So when it says that Jesus was rich, he was rich. He is rich. And yet, as he says, he's rich, but for you, even in your condition right now, some of you are like already listening and you, you kind of know about the love of God and somebody's already told you, I'm just repeating what someone's already told you. And you have a tendency to kind of drift off and go, I, I'm not here for that. I, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm here for other motives or I don't even know why I have to listen to this radio station. I, my mom wants it in the car. So I hope she doesn't keep going around the block because I'm sick of listening to this station. I don't, if it was my choice, uh, I wouldn't have this station on, but it's driver's choice and mom's driving. So I respect her, but I don't want to listen to it. And so you are only listening out of respect, but you really don't want to. But I, I see even here, even though he was rich, Jesus became poor for you. He left the heavenly glory and came to the earth. Not only did he lose that, that joy of the Godhead, but he was crucified for you. He died. He became poor to the point of death. He was buried in a tomb and left as the end of his life. But the Bible says that Jesus rose again. And there are a couple places that they think Jesus was buried in Israel. We don't know the exact place. But I can tell you this. The tomb that we visited is empty. The tomb that we have visited was empty. But there were people there that visited the tomb a couple days after his burial. And you know what they found? Because they went to the right one. They should have wrote down the address of where it was. (laughs) But we have eyewitness account of the very days after Jesus was buried that the tomb was empty. And through his life, Jesus is alive now. Even though he was rich, he became poor for your sakes. It was for you. It was for me. That we might have the hope of eternal life. So that you, out of his poverty, and if you want to jot it down and see it later in Philippians chapter 3, it describes this in more detail. You become rich. You have the riches of eternal life because of what Jesus has done for you. And Paul uses that as an example, and then he says, he gives advice, and he says, it's to your advantage, verse 10, 
not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you need to finish it. Jesus would say it this way, let your yes be a yes. I believe Christians should be men and women of their word. We should be trustworthy. You know what a trustworthy person is? You know a way of thinking of that? A trustworthy person is a person that's worthy of trust. Just flip it around. Someone that you could be trusted, that your yes is yes. So when you say something, you do it. And Paul's alluding to that. You guys started something a year ago. You need to finish it. Your heart was touched. You began to give. Now it's time to complete it. Because there was a readiness, verse 11. But now there needs to be a completion. There needs to be a completion to what you started. He wanted to know the Corinthians that were giving from a commandment. They wanted, to under, they wanted them to understand that giving from a commandment is really not giving at all. Giving from a demand. But there's a test. A test of the sincerity of the heart of giving. And we would call this today, we would say, we would refer to something like this as words are cheaper than action. You know how it's easier to say it than to do it. It's easier to make a verbal commitment and then not follow through on it. And they've made a verbal commitment. They've started along that road. And now Paul's saying, you guys need to keep your word. This is a different commitment than what you may have experienced in other churches. Uh, Because other churches use different methodologies when it comes to giving and tithing and that sort of thing. There are many churches that will actually ask you in the beginning of the year to sign a financial pledge. They'll have it written out for you and say, this is what you anticipate in making this year, and this is what Tim... And they'll actually ask you to sign on the dotted line to make a financial commitment to the church for that year. And then from that financial commitment, some churches may even take it a step further, and they'll actually print out for you envelopes so that you can remember to either turn it in or offer it in into uh, the offering box or the offering that goes through each week so that you won't forget and it'll remind you of your commitment. And, you know, I don't see anything completely unbiblical about envelopes. I mean, I think the pledge I'd have a hard time with, but the envelopes, you know, things, the tools uh, to remind you, I don't see anything unbiblical or wrong in and of itself, but I just don't see the point. Either your heart is right with the Lord and you give, or your heart's not right with the Lord and you don't give. I don't see how that's my responsibility. Or we have to hire somebody in the finance office to print you envelopes. Like, if you're walking in the Lord, then he's going to prompt you to give. He's going to remind you to give, and he's going to convict you when you don't give. And it's much easier just to trust that the Lord's going to provide for you, for the church, and I think, you know, that when you get into that kind of stuff, it could, it could easily just like, man, if, what if, if we did the envelopes, then what do we do if we notice your envelopes haven't come in for three months? Would you go, hey, you made a commitment. Here, you sign on the dotted line. Here, we posted it right here on Facebook. You know, here it is. <laughs> and now it's not what it really needs to be. What it needs to be is your, a free-flowing relationship Growing from your, your grace, you know, the grace of God recognizing if you're having a hard time giving, then just step back a minute and just look what God has given to you. I mean, Jesus was so rich and he became so poor that you could be so rich, that I could be so rich. And I just don't see the point. I, I, don't, I don't understand. 
I mean, I guess I do understand, but I don't want to spend a lot of time. We're not going to send you a notice if you don't give. The Holy Spirit's going to send you a notice that you don't give. And then you're just going to have to deal with it with the Lord. And again, we've built, these studies are building on one another because here at Calvary we teach through the Bible verse by verse, so we've already covered some of these things in previous studies. So if it's like your first study, you go, man, where's he going? Where I'm going, you need to first find out where we've been. And we've started out in verse 1 of chapter 8. And so it'd be good for you to catch up on those studies online, on our website, or on our app, so you can walk alongside because our view of, of giving is very... I just believe that just like the just like in the day of of the just like when Jesus was watching those that gave they came gave and they gave freely and liberally and willingly and I don't want to provide a false motivation for you to give you don't give because you have an empty envelope you give because God has been so good to you he's just been so gracious to us and he has a hold of every part of our lives and we get into this kind of stuff we run the risk of our giving not being not being heartfelt and not being spirit-led and in not so many verses from now in chapter 9 Paul is going to say he's going to tell us that you're not to give grudgingly and so you don't want to you know you you get that place where you're trying to make a decision on what to do with your resources and you've got an empty envelope and you're just kind of man I guess I have to and what you're going to learn is that you don't have to it's between you and the Lord, and, and as you don't have to because the church tells you to, you need to because you have a relationship with the Lord. And so we don't have anyone in our accounting office printing out envelopes for you. I mean, if that's a tool you want to use for yourself, that's fantastic. But that's between you and the Lord. It's something that you're, you're going to be able to grow through. Because here, you know, in our congregation, God has blessed us here at Calvary in many, many different ways. And we thank God regularly for those blessings. He has honored our commitments. He's honored our giving. He's honored our desire to abide in him. And I can say that God has provided for all of our needs. All of our needs. There hasn't been one need that's been unmet. God has provided. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Let me just substantiate that. And I believe God will continue to provide for our needs. And if he doesn't continue to provide for our needs, then maybe our needs need to change. Maybe we've confused needs with wants. Maybe God's closing a door. I don't know. But we need to be open to what he wants to do. Knowing that he's promised to provide. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. Pick up in verse 18 with me. He says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That's just a simple word of thanksgiving to the church in Philippi that had sent stuff to Paul in prison. Because he's really going through it, and the church loved him and sent him resources. And he's just like, man, you guys think I'm all, I, I'm in prison and I'm struggling. I just want you to know I abound. I'm full. And you guys are such a blessing to me to send me these things. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And ultimately, whether I have things, Paul says, or in verse 19, you have things. Ultimately, verse 20, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's been the testimony of our congregation, whether we were just 30 people or far more than 30 people. Whether our bills amounted to this much or this much, it really doesn't matter. 
because we hold to an axiom that's been passed down from Pastor Chuck to my Pastor Jeff to me and now to you is that we believe that where God guides, God provides. We believe that. We believe that as a church. That's why we don't overextend ourselves. That's why we don't step out in crazy things and try to tempt God on things. We believe God's leading us. We'll pray. And one of the ways God will show us that he's leading us, he'll provide. He'll provide in resources. He'll provide in people. He'll provide in a variety of ways. And there have been many, many things. And it's always, you know, it's always discouraging when you got this great vision and this great, you know, I really thought it was from the Lord. And I would have to come as a pastor and say on behalf of the board or on the elders or maybe one of the ministries, I have to say, you know, we've been praying for this for years. And I'm sorry, but it's, the Lord's not in it and we're not going to do it. And you can hear the church go, oh, but that's an answer from the Lord. We're not just going to press through some closed door and go, well, you know, we laid our reputation on the line. No, 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 because God says he'll supply for all of our needs. So he will, and he'll take care of our needs. And if he's got some new need ahead of us, then he'll supply. And is it going to require faith on our part? You bet. God's going to have us step out in faith. He's going to have us step out and, and follow him. And, you know, it's going to feel, sometimes it's going to be scary. Like some of you, you've been going through, the, we've been these studies uh, on Wednesdays, and then we just had a study before we left to Israel and Nehemiah on giving. They just kind of uh, collided together and overlapped together. And I love that about teaching through the word because you never know how things are going to overlap. You don't know the time. You can't time those kind of things. And so we just had that study before I left. And some of you are now really considering your finances. You're looking at where you are in debt. You're looking at your income. And, and, and you know, you're really coming to the point of taking a step of faith. And you're scared. And I want you to know that sometimes taking a step of faith does, does elicit a little bit of fear. But the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a sound mind. He's given us the ability to step out in faith and trust him with whatever he's been revealing through any Bible study for that matter. But this is the topic of giving. And I want you to know that this is, this, you're a part of a congregation, whether you've been here for a long time or a short time, that God has been faithful and we expect him to continue to be faithful and we'll, we expect him to provide where he's leading and guiding and we're going to follow him. And I think the real example in giving is not even the faithfulness of a particular church like ours. So we would look at that and say, wow, that's a model to follow. We're not the model to follow. Jesus is the model to follow in giving. Jesus is the model to follow. That bears repeating. Jesus is the model to follow in giving. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. Pastor Ed, we have a new website to tell our listeners about, and it's found at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Would you walk us through some of the features and how this was created to help our listeners? Yeah, Larry, we put together a simple website not too long ago called AboundingGraceRadio.com. And there you'll find information how better to connect with us. You know, there's information on our church. You can connect with our podcast there. I asked them to put a connection to my personal blog. And of course, you can listen to our show archives there. But that's a one-stop shop to connect with us, to give to the ongoing ministry here, to listen to old programs, and to connect. Maybe you want to send me a note, a personal note. You can go there and 
Go to AboundingGraceRadio.com, and we're looking to improve it over time, but for now it has all the essential things related to Abounding Grace Radio, and we're so grateful that you connected with us and that you've chosen to partner with us, and we pray blessings on you as you share this website with your family and friends. Again, our new website is found at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Stop by today and let us know your thoughts. Just click on Contact after you tour the site. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word of God to help them grow by God's abounding grace. And when you support this ministry today with the gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Contented in All Things Peace by Jeff Geip. Maybe you've noticed many Americans today lack true contentment. No matter how much they have, they're always wanting more, bigger, better. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. And in Contented, Pastor Jeff Geip helps the reader find peace in all things and get on the path to contentment in Christ. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 